What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their What's up, y'all? Welcome on into the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Thursday afternoon around the lunching hour. Normally, we do these just a couple hours earlier in the day, but uh, we, we got this one recorded just after noon or so on Thursday. How are you doing? I hope you're well. I hope everything in your life is going the way you want it to go. I hope you are not freezing too much out there. It is old man winter. It's almost Christmas time, so you know that it's cold. I hope your Christmas shopping or holiday shopping or whatever you call it is uh, is is near the home stretch. Mine is um, maybe going into like the the front stretch. You know, it's got like turn two, three, and four left. We got through turn one, but we still got come, about three turns you, you left. You don't come from the men's school of shopping on Christmas Eve uh, that, that Rusty Manzel has headed up for years? Yeah, no, I, I do that sometimes, but now so many things close so early that and, and you don't know exactly what you're you know there's sometimes you know what you need to get but you just wait too long and you know you got to get it delivered so you're just hoping and hoping and hoping and then you end up paying more for shipping costs and you're an idiot basically that's how it goes like every year uh to to one degree or another i am late on uh christmas stuff it always gets there on time but uh it could have been done way earlier and i'm an idiot but nonetheless I hope everything in your life is going smoother than that. I hope that you uh, weren't too bothered by Tennessee basketball second half dud the other day. I hope that uh, everything is good. But we got a lot to discuss on this episode. And Tennessee did win that basketball game, by the way. So maybe it wasn't too bad. Let's just get that out of the way. But we are talking primarily football on this episode. We're going to mention some hoops on the tail end. But we're going to talk about Tennessee's football schedule. To do that, we are going to go across town in a couple different directions. Get to Ben McKee. Get to Ryan Callahan. Fellas, how are we doing today? Doing great. Excited to get to Texas later today so I can get away from this cold weather for a couple of days. Is it actually going to be warmer in San Antonio? I've, I've been down there in January before when it was no warmer than what I was experiencing in Tennessee. According to my phone weather app, it is going to be rainy on Friday, but Saturday and Sunday will be in the 60s and sunshine. All right. Just enjoy. Do your best not to remember, don't go pee on the Alamo because Ozzy Osbourne did that and he went to prison. So try to avoid that fate well, because they, that, they, they not matter. A, they care a lot about that thing. Not a thought that popped into my head to go do. So Well, I just um, in case it had, I don't know. I'm just telling you, they they take that very seriously down there, Ben. Be be very, very careful. By the way, uh Tennessee's two thousand twenty four football schedule did come out. We we've basically known for a while mostly who Tennessee was playing. Uh we, we didn't know everything but we knew a good bit about it now we have the schedule in its totality it has been released i i would say get your uh get your pen and paper out here for a second but nobody really works like that anymore if you're listening to this podcast you can probably go get that on the internet so i'll just go ahead and say it it opens up with chattanooga august 31st at home uh, the Vols then play NC State uh, in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte on September 7th. The Vols then play uh, host Kent State 
on September 14th. Then Tennessee will play the first SEC game in Oklahoma's history, I believe, uh, when Tennessee goes to Norman to play the Oklahoma Sooners on September 21st. Then it's a bye week. Then the Vols right back on the road, right back, you know, several hundred miles away over there to Fayette Nam to play the Arkansas Razorbacks at, uh, I guess that would be in Fayetteville, yes, not in Little Rock for sure. Want to make sure it is in Fayetteville October 5th. And then Tennessee comes back home uh, to play Florida and Alabama in back-to-back weeks. Then it has a second by date, two Christmases, two Christmases, as they say in Talladega Nights. Then the Vols will host uh, Kentucky. Then the Vols will host Mississippi State. On November 9th, then on November 16th, they will play at UGA. Then uh, it gets a little bit easier down the tail in there. Tennessee will host UTEP on uh, November 23rd. Picks up, hashtag picks up, and then um, hashtag anchor down. Uh, Tennessee will travel to Nashville to its home there in the mid-state to play the Vanderbilt Commodores on November 30th. That is the schedule. It is the path is set. Fellas, what do we think about it? I think it's a a nice schedule, given the fact that first things first, stating the obvious, it's an SEC football schedule. It's going to be difficult because it's the SEC. You're adding Oklahoma and Texas. It's, It's going to be difficult either way you slice it. But obviously there are various degrees of difficulty. And I think given the fact that it is an SEC football schedule, I, I like the way it sets up for Tennessee. I, I think it is a, a nice schedule. And uh, to me, I always look in terms of judging what a schedule is and in terms of easy, difficult, whatever. I, I, I look at the open weeks, the bye weeks, and I think they're placed perfectly at, at the end of uh, September, right before you get into a three-week stretch against three physical football teams, Arkansas, Florida, Bama, and then you have another open week before you get back into uh, a physical football team in Kentucky. Have a Mississippi State team after Kentucky that will be in the first year of Jeff Lebby, and then you travel to Athens to play Georgia, and then you have two easy wins against UTEP uh, and then Vanderbilt over there in Nashville. So that to me was the first thing that that stood out. And really the thing that stood out the most to me, Ryan, is just I think the open weeks are placed perfectly. And given the fact that it is an SEC schedule, like I mentioned, it's going to be difficult. I think it it lessens the blow, I guess, if you want to word it that way, of playing an SEC schedule. And this kind of goes hand in hand with where the, the buys are placed. But I look at where the buys are placed and I also look at kind of the the the, the tough stretches. Where, where are the tough games? And they're kind of spaced out. Your trip to Oklahoma is after three very manageable football games to start the season, and then you have a bye week. Uh, your your Alabama game is is sure it's followed by two physical football teams in Florida and Arkansas. But Sam Pittman, Billy Napier, going to be on hot seats entering this season. And then you have a bye week after Alabama. Your Georgia game, sandwiched in between Jeff Lebby, first-year head coach, and UTEP. So uh, that obviously goes hand-in-hand with how the buys split things up. But I I think, again, given that it's an SEC schedule, it's going to be difficult no matter how you slice it. I, I I think it's a favorable schedule within the SEC landscape. Yeah, and and I 
we knew the opponents before the the release Wednesday night, so that wasn't a, a mystery, obviously, before then. But the order is, is what we found out, and, and we obviously knew a few dates, but not all of them going into the announcement. And, and like you said, the, the big takeaway for me is that the big games, the toughest games, are mostly spaced out. The exception to that, obviously, the back-to-back home games against Florida and Alabama. That's that's the centerpiece of the schedule. It's right in the middle of the schedule. Um, so I, I think you you like that you get to build up to those big games in the middle of the season. Um, from Tennessee's perspective, I think about the fact this is going to be a younger football team. You're going to have some young guys who need to settle in throughout the season. They're going to need to build up to getting ready for SEC competition. So I like that there are three non-conference games for Tennessee before they go into SEC play with a trip to Oklahoma that obviously won't be easy. Um, And then you like that there's an open date before you go into that stretch of Arkansas, Florida, and Alabama. And then you like that there's another open date before you get Kentucky and Mississippi State. So you have the second open date, uh, which everybody gets next year because uh, of just the way the calendar falls. There's an extra weekend between uh, late uh, late August and the end of November. So that's uh, that's why that happens sometimes. So it's just the way the calendar falls. Everybody gets that. It's a nice benefit. Everybody will enjoy and appreciate the extra rest, uh, and that'll help navigate injury problems and things like that. So that's a that's a big plus, and, and I like where they fall for Tennessee, like you said, Ben, about a month apart, splits up the SEC schedule nicely. Um, you know, my, my takeaways are, 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 are mostly about that, about that things are kind of spaced out, that Georgia's even – you know, kind of in the middle of that final stretch run. So that's that's the other marquee game, obviously. And you don't have you don't have it sandwiched between, you know, Florida and Alabama or anything like that. So it's not so bad. We've seen Tennessee with that August or, or with that October gauntlet before. I, I think that's not really what this schedule gives them. You know, they they had what was it last year? The LSU and, and Alabama and and Kentucky and and uh, somebody else in October. Uh, that was pretty pretty rough four game stretch there. They they don't have anything like that on this schedule, so it's a much more, uh, it, it's a much easier schedule to navigate from that uh, standpoint. I, the biggest challenge might be with the addition of Grayson McCall at NC State, the fact that you now have a second game of the season that looks a little bit tougher for uh, going to Charlotte against NC State. Um, so it's not as much of a gradual build up as it looked like before. Um, that might be a pretty tough game for Tennessee now at a neutral site. Um, but uh, but again, I like that you don't have to play that first SEC game until four games in. So you get three games for Nico Iamaliava and the rest of that offense to kind of settle in, figure out who they are, what they're good at, and then go into SEC play. So a lot of things that set up well about it, and, and maybe the biggest thing that sets up well for Tennessee, you get Arkansas and Mississippi State in the rotation. For an SEC that's going to be even tougher now with Oklahoma and Texas, to get those two on the rotation and an Arkansas team where Sam Pittman's going to be you know, fighting for his job next year and, and and they're not expected to be a championship contender in Mississippi State with a new coach where you would think that they might be feisty, but not quite loaded lo- loaded for a big run next year or anything like that. I mean, that's that's a pretty good spot in the rotation to get those two teams along with Oklahoma, which, again, tough road game, but you're going to get Oklahoma or Texas. That's what everybody's getting. So uh, I think the opponents are good for Tennessee, and I think the way the schedule sets up with the open dates and the big games being spread out, also very good for Tennessee. So I think you have to be happy with the schedule if you're Tennessee. And I, I think fans are because I heard a lot of people saying, hey, the floor should be nine and three. <laughs> that, that was the initial reaction from a lot of people just seeing the opponents in the order that this team should win at least nine games with how this is set up for Tennessee. Yeah, I'll look at it a couple different ways. I think the bottom line, the absolute bottom line is if you're playing an eight-game SEC schedule – 
And I still believe firmly, this is just my opinion, it will go to nine at some point. I just think that's the writing on the wall, and that's what's going to happen. Before too long, that's what's going to happen. Uh, the coaches can kick and scream and fight, and, and they will, and I get it, but it's going to eventually go to nine, I think. But within the parameters of what it is now, if you have an eight-game schedule in the SEC and three of those games are Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, and Arkansas, you can't complain too much. No matter what the rest of those other five games are, that's nearly half of your that's forty percent of your SEC schedule is against games that you will absolutely be expected, you know, to win. And there's nothing automatic about anything except for maybe Vanderbilt. You know, there's nothing automatic, and, and so that's you've just got to. That's that's part and parcel with this league. That's that's what comes with it, right? That that's that you can't have one without the other. You want to play in the SEC, you're going to play tough games. That's life. So I think that's the bottom line. However, within that bottom line, there are a couple things I don't love for Tennessee. I don't love the fact that Tennessee is going to Norman for Oklahoma's first SEC game ever. Uh, I think that is a very difficult assignment. I think that is one that, you know, Tennessee's gone there recently. Not with as good a team as it has now, but Tennessee's gone there and seen, you know, that's that's a difficult place to play. And, and On that, the plus side, Tennessee, Oklahoma just lost, what, its entire starting offensive line to the transfer portal? So yes, that. like there there are, but but Oklahoma's also going to bring in some players. Like uh, they, they, they've got, things are never totally off the rails there. They're going to yeah. be, they're going to be all right. I mean, even this mm-hmm. season, they weren't great, really, but they, you know they beat Texas. They did some things. I mean, you know, there, there's, there, there's still. It, it could be. I don't love Tennessee going to Norman for its for for the the first SEC game that you have for that program is going to be a really charged atmosphere. It's going to be a big deal. Wouldn't shock me. I don't know what the rest of the schedule is like, but a program like OU having its first SEC game ever, you could have like a game day or somebody there, or at least an SEC nation. Going to be a bunch of people there. Going to be a big deal. And I also don't love that you're playing back-to-back road games to start the season uh, on the road in the SEC. Um, that that is, not, that is not ideal. Although the second one is Arkansas, which again – can be a tricky place to go play. Tennessee, Fayetteville, I, I, I'm trying to remember, throughout the entire time I've covered Tennessee, I cannot remember Tennessee ever playing well at Arkansas. I just can't. Just, yeah. They, yep. they, you know, no matter what's been going on, no matter what the deal is, no matter what either team's record is, I've seen Tennessee even win over there, but it's not pretty. And, and I've seen Tennessee lose a few games over there. It's It just seems like, for whatever reason, the, the past is not necessarily an indication of the future, but it's just in my mind, and it can't, it's got to be in other people's minds too, that every time Tennessee goes to Arkansas to play football, it's an absolute dogfight. And, and so that is... I don't love that being the schedule. I also wish um, there was a little bit more balanced Tennessee schedule in that I still don't love that it just tapers off a cliff at the tail end because that way if you're playing for something, there's not quite as much drama there. And if the team has struggled a little bit, it's got three or four losses, then you it's like who's still – how how juiced are fans still at that point? The only thing you worse know, that, I don't love that. conference – I would say the only thing worse than a November non-conference game the next to last week of the season is a November FCS game the next to last week of the season. It's yeah. not that, but it's just about as bad with UTEP because I don't think anyone will be. Hey, but you're opening you're opening game. against the playoff the playoff uh, mocks. Okay, you show some respect. All right, 
They'll, Early uh, season FCS games are fine. Late season, nobody cares. Yeah, I, I just the reason I wanted to say those things is my general vibe on the schedule is very positive, but because I think we were all in agreement that it was mostly a positive schedule for Tennessee, I didn't want to mention there were a couple things I didn't like just for some balance there because I can't be the only person out there who's thinking about those kind of things like they they're real your feelings are real if you're feeling those things and i understand you because there's some things i don't love about it but overall within the framework of this being an eight game sec schedule i think you gotta like it and it sets up pretty well for tennessee to get off to a good start i think you know as long as they can take care of business in that nc state game which again i think is tougher now with with nc state having a good quarterback from the transfer portal And, and oklahoma as you said will be tough on the road but Tennessee should be favored in at least four of its first five games. I think they'll be favored on the road against Arkansas State. I think they'll be favored against NC State. So with a young football team, I think it's always important to get off to a good start, get the get those guys some confidence, get them feeling they can beat anybody before you, you really hit the meat grinder of the SEC schedule. And so they should be at least four and one going into that stretch of Florida and Alabama. And then uh, after an open date, Kentucky, Mississippi State, and Georgia, they should at least be in a pretty good spot going into the midseason stretch uh, that, that will make things a little bit tougher. Now, those back-to-back home games against Florida and Alabama will be pretty fun, I would imagine, for Tennessee fans. Florida's not you know, the game it once was for Tennessee, but it's still a really important one, always a tone setter. And, and for that game to directly precede a home game against Alabama the following week, that's, uh, that, that's going to be a pretty fun couple weeks, I would imagine, for Tennessee fans. So those have never been back-to-back that I can recall, so that's, um, that's a pretty interesting development and change in the schedule i like that we are seeing more and more that that we're getting some variety of dates i just i get tired of seeing florida be the third game of the season and and we know alabama is going to be in the middle and vanderbilt at the end but i like to see other games move around so i like florida being in october again georgia still being in november like i I like to see things change up a little bit so i like the schedule is a little different even though september in oklahoma is not easy at least that's something sort of new because uh, obviously they're new to the SEC. Um, so I like having some variety in there, and, and Florida and Alabama certainly is different from what we usually see with those two games. And, Wes, you, you did do a good job of of outlining the difficulties of the schedule because, again, it, it is an SEC football schedule. It's going to be difficult, uh, which is why we were all viewing the schedule as favorable for Tennessee and – thought it was pretty good for Tennessee because it's an SEC schedule at the end of the day. It's going to be tough. It's it's going to be hard, and, uh, and and we needed to outline those difficulties. But even the difficulties, I, I don't think maybe once we get into the season, things will change. But if you are going to play back-to-back road games to start conference play, it sure is nice to have a bye week right in the middle of it. Yeah, it is. Very uh, nice. Sandwiched in between Oklahoma uh, and Arkansas, and, and hey, the second leg of that stretch is against, uh, a, now this could be a dangerous thing, a desperate football team that will have Sam Pittman on the hot seat. Uh, that that could be a dangerous thing, playing on the road. What's but go- I to, think- ben, what's going on with KJ? What's the latest there? Did, did, is there anything uh, with the portal or anything? I for, I should I should have looked that up before we hit record, and I did not. I just I honestly don't know if anybody out there remembers because that would change that game quite a bit because he's a problem he's in the portal he's he's what has he has he committed to south carolina or was that just a rumor of where he might be headed i forget that was a rumor there's a rumor that i heard yes 
So yeah, he hasn't he hasn't officially found a new school, but yeah, he he is in the portal. Go on, Ben. I'm sorry. I just that it broke. I I didn't want to not mention that in the first segment. Go on. No, I mean uh, that that's part of today's day and age of college football and changes the the landscape of of the games. Grayson McCall is a good college quarterback. So to Ryan's point earlier, that that makes it more more of a difficult challenge for Tennessee playing NC State in that second game. Still a game that Tennessee should win. You're going to have more talent than than NC State theoretically from top to bottom, uh, but you'd rather face probably a different quarterback than, than Grayson McCall because he's he's had success. Uh, so that that's ever changing. The quarterbacks that that are changing throughout college football. Uh, South Carolina is going to have a new quarterback. Obviously, you don't play South Carolina this year, but uh, a lot of these teams could have different quarterbacks, and, and that changes things. Jackson Arnold is kind of Oklahoma's version of Nico, mm-hmm. and uh, that'll be his first SEC start, just like it'll be Nico's first SEC start. Now, Jackson gets the benefit of it being at home. Nico's will be on the road. Uh, but And, Wes, you did make a great point to, to Ryan's point about uh, Oklahoma losing a lot of offensive linemen. That That's key. That's huge. But you would think that Oklahoma is also going to be able to bring guys in even with bringing more talented guys in, there's you wouldn't think that the cohesion that an offensive line needs is going to be there by the end of September. Agreed. Maybe it all clicks, but you know, Nico making his first SEC start is going to be behind theoretically a veteran offensive line that's played a lot mm-hmm. of football together. And Oklahoma has not. So the transfer portal, I mean, we we may be talking about a game right now that we we view favorably for Tennessee that by the end of spring practice or June, because of the transfer portal, we view it differently. Maybe it's tougher because X school goes out and adds somebody. So, no, I think it's fair to bring up the KJ Jefferson point. My last thought, I too. Well, my, quick correction on that. Jefferson is not officially in the portal. He just said his future is uncertain. Or he's undecided about his future. So he hasn't ruled out entering the portal, but he's not officially in the portal. But go ahead, Ben. He, he's saying pay me, Arkansas. Go ahead. Yes, yeah. that and yes, that that that's been the biggest rumor surrounding KJ Jefferson is is he's trying to find a little bit of coin, uh, which he deserves because Arkansas has misused him and beaten him to death, and he deserves to be paid. Quite frankly, uh, Arkansas lucky to have KJ Jefferson after the last year or so. Uh, but my my last two thoughts on the scheduling thing is a it was fun from an SEC football perspective taking the Tennessee glasses off and just following Tennessee on a day to day basis. It's really cool to look at the different scheduling, kind of like what Ryan was alluding to, and, and think about Oklahoma going to Auburn, Tennessee going to Oklahoma, Oklahoma going to um, Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Like that, that that was cool to see on the schedule, and it, and it's going to make for a very entertaining product uh, throughout the course of the season. Even if technically by Tennessee standards, it, it makes it more difficult on Tennessee when, when you're adding a Texas and Oklahoma, but from an SEC football standpoint, it's going to be very entertaining. And I also got a, a rather large kick out of seeing uh, Texas having – welcome to the SEC, Texas. You get to go to West End in the middle of the season. You get to go to historic Commodore Vanderbilt Stadium, whatever they yeah. call the, <laughs> the construction site over there. I, I got a kick out of that. But my last thought as it pertains to Tennessee schedule that kind of dictates – the, the strength of schedule and how difficult it is. I always like to look on top of the open dates. Who is the team playing before you play them? And to me, I don't, I mean, I guess we'll see once we get into the season, but Arkansas plays Texas A&M in Arlington before Tennessee goes to Arkansas. 
Florida hosts UCF before Florida comes to Knoxville. Alabama will host South Carolina. Kentucky will host Auburn. Mississippi State hosts UMass. Uh, Georgia plays at Ole Miss. That was the one that stood out to me the most is that before Tennessee travels to Georgia, the week before, Georgia will be going to Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is going to have a good football team Mm -hmm. once again. And not that it matters, but Vanderbilt is going to be playing at LSU. So I don't know that there's a distinct advantage other than that Georgia-Ole Miss game in terms of the opponent playing a tough game before playing Tennessee. Uh, Arkansas playing A&M, but I think with Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, you should be better than those teams on paper. But games like Alabama and Georgia, where you're you're maybe looking for a little extra advantage, not that it's going to be the difference in the football game, but but you're you're hoping that you can just find anything to exploit. Alabama hosts South Carolina. Georgia plays at Ole Miss. And, and let me speak for the entire, uh, well, at least a good portion of the UT media core uh, and a lot of the people who uh, who go to a lot of road games and saying, thank goodness this schedule, again, in fitting with the new SEC and just this is going to be the new norm, but this schedule looks different because there's no more division play and Tennessee doesn't have to go to Columbia, Missouri or Columbia, South Carolina next year. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pra- pra- praise, South- praise whatever God you praise out there for that. That is good news. And, and that Tennessee doesn't play South Carolina or Missouri at all, which is obviously very different. Those are the two SEC East teams that drop off the schedule next year. You know, obviously we don't know what the permanent rotation is going to be. I think this is very much sort of a makeshift schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't think once they go to a more permanent rival situation, and they'll it'll be, be playing nine Georgia. Games. And it'll be nine games. Well, yeah, and we don't know that Georgia or Florida will be on there every year. So it'll look a lot different in the future. But I'm already liking that we're seeing teams rotate on and rotate off. If it's if it ends up being this, that every other year you've got Arkansas and Mississippi State, and then the other years you've got South Carolina and Missouri, that's going to be a pretty balanced schedule for Tennessee. That's not too bad if you know that you've got those couple games along with Vanderbilt to count on every other year. So uh, if it's divided up pretty well, you know that's that's what everyone's going to be looking for, inequities in the scheduling. If it's one year where you're basically playing the old SEC West and you've got Texas and Texas A&M and Oklahoma, you're going to say, oh, man. They can't win a championship this year. So to have it sort of be balanced or looking like it's going to start off pretty balanced for Tennessee, I think that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I think I've got a couple thoughts before we go to break quickly. First one is, uh, looking across the league, this is always a a subjective thing, I think. I mean, I guess you could look at it like in a metric and call it some sort of objective, but subjectively, just kind of on vibes and what it looks like, I think Florida's schedule probably looks the toughest in the league. If I had to guess, it is an absolute monster of a schedule. But it also looks tough because you don't really have high expectations for sure, Florida. That sure, plays a role sure. in viewing the schedule. I, I, yeah. I, I agree, but I also think even if Florida was like where Tennessee is right now, I think Florida's schedule looks really tough. It, um, it it does look pretty intimidating. Yeah, for sure. On paper, it's when in a in a in a in a in a year where he's got to win. That's that's tough. Um, I I would say that. Um, and then the second thing is, I normally have a column that I write the day that the schedule comes out for football, saying what it kind of looks like and what we kind of an early look at what the season might be. What's really, I like this era now. I don't, I don't love everything about it, but. I I think it's more fair for the student athletes, which at the end of the day is the is what it should be. But it also makes it really hard to look at it and say, so what are all these teams going to look like? Because again, 
we don't know like who's going to be Arkansas's quarterback, who's going to be Oklahoma's offensive line, the through line with all of that. Uh, what the hell is Tennessee going to look like in the secondary? What's Tennessee going to look like, you know, at a wide receiver? Like what we we have no idea. And until really until three weeks from now, we start to get a pretty good idea. Maybe three or four weeks from now, we'll have a pretty good idea. And then the original signing day, the old school signing day, which is now leftover kind of signing day where you put your turkey and sweet potatoes like on a bread and you eat it as a sandwich. That's the leftovers now for signing day. And then you get through spring and through the portal after spring. And then you finally get an idea, but it starts in about three weeks. So maybe sometime around then we can come out after that first signing period comes out we can i can then have that column and say okay now that we know what the schedule looks like or what the teams are going to look like here's what the schedule might look like and and so that's why that's not been out there it's because i i can't tell you like there's so many options for tennessee on the back end there's so many options for tennessee at wide receiver the, the a couple guys on the offensive line we still don't know exactly what they're gonna do you know the, there's we know peely's coming back that's good news but up front defensively Tennessee's got some guys with decisions to make like there's all kinds of things out there that will fundamentally change this roster and this outlook like you know Nico if he's healthy he's the quarterback right you know that you, you know some Dylan Sampson there's some rumors maybe, maybe he might no he's coming back so the, there's some things that you can start building around and knowing but there's a lot of stuff we also just don't know and you know that's kind of the era we're in now so get used to that until they change the calendar whatever they're going to do this is the way things are yeah. now. And, and, and I don't think that's going to change much. You know, we'll see what they do in the future. I st- I've, I'm a proponent of going back to one signing day in February. I think that would help uh, coaches if they, if, they, uh, if they could do that, just focus on transfer portal stuff in December. Because I think that does need to happen in December so players can transfer and enroll in January. But if you could somehow break up the recruiting stuff, allow that to happen in February again, that would at least give you a little bit of a break from that. Whereas now it's portal recruiting everything all at once. And, and yeah, I, I don't know that there's a great way to do it, but you're right. The, uh, December and January, there's still so much uncertainty because you have no idea what a roster is going to look like next year at this point. Yeah, Ryan, we just actually decided we we're going to change it up a little bit. And since you're pressed for time here a little bit, we're going to go ahead and extend the first segment and go ahead and ask you about some portal developments now. And then and you know, I know you got to get out of here. So I'm going to give you the floor for a minute to do that. And then we'll go to break after that. And then we'll come back in the second segment. Ben and I will pick up the football scraps and talk hoops. That sounds good. Well, uh, well, yeah, Tennessee, obviously a lot of irons in the fire in the transfer portal. Uh, this weekend is going to be big. I think Tennessee will have several visitors in from the transfer portal. Not you know, probably not double-digit visitors, but several. Uh, and it sounds like there'll be some important ones, uh, some guys that they they really are hoping to land here soon uh, or in the coming weeks. Um, Jordan Dingle, the the Kentucky tight end, I think he's you know, <laughs> one of the most. Just a funny name. How did I know you were going to laugh at that like a child? He's got to be. Um, he's got to be Lieutenant Dingle. He's got to be. He's got to be. <laughs> but I think he's one of the more realistic options for Tennessee in the tight end position. A really important one. They hosted Holden Stays, the Notre Dame tight end. Last weekend, um, they were going to host Bauer Sharp from southeastern Louisiana this weekend. That visit now has been canceled, and he's visiting Oklahoma instead. Womp, so womp. I think all sites are set on Dingle and Stays, and I think as of right now, probably a slightly better chance Tennessee ends up with Dingle than Stays just because there's there's some concern about Georgia having entered the picture with Stays. He's mm-hmm. from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, also Oklahoma in the picture there, Washington. So we'll, we'll see where things end up going with those two guys, and I think this weekend – 
you know, by the end of the weekend, we should have a better feel for, for where that's headed. Uh, Tennessee hosting some, uh, some transfer portal targets in the secondary uh, this weekend. And a lot of this is still kind of up in the air. Uh, we don't know exactly which guys are going to be visiting this weekend, but uh, Devon Marshall, a cornerback from Villanova, supposed to be visiting Tennessee as of right now on Friday. I think that will be a fairly short visit. So uh, one to keep an eye on there. Uh, Jermod McCoy, I believe that's how you pronounce his first name, a, a cornerback from Oregon State who was a freshman this season. So a guy with three seasons of eligibility left. He was at Tennessee on Wednesday and I Thursday. like him. I watched him play a couple times. I thought he was pretty good. He, he, his numbers, a, a little bit of a mixed bag with him. He's a talented young guy. Um, he's a four-star in, in our 24-7 sports transfer ratings. So they clearly like him a lot, and a lot of people do. And he's got some really nice offers. On the flip side, his numbers that he gave up this year, and this happens with freshman corners, even when they're good sometimes, he got picked on a little bit. He gave up some completions. I think he gave up 420 yards on passes that were thrown his direction, which was the highest on the team. So Yeah, there's uh, some really like that, really good quarterbacks and receivers in that league, and he was a freshman. There are. I, I thought, That's, I just the times I saw them play, he was a guy I was like, hmm, he's no matter what, depending on what happens with their conference, that's a really good player. Yeah, and that was a nice get just to get him on campus for Tennessee. So, yeah, to your point, I think that's a, a potentially nice pickup there if the Vols can land him. Don't know yet about what the competition is for him, but I think Tennessee at least has a has a shot coming off that visit. So we'll see what he says after that visit, hopefully, and, and go from there and uh, see what other options pop up uh, from the transfer portal. We've already seen some guys kind of come and go. They offered Saeed Gibbs, the cornerback from Rhode Island, last week. Now it looks like Tennessee's not going that direction. That uh, He visited Georgia Tech and Virginia uh, a few days ago. Sounds like he'll probably end up deciding between those two, so it uh, doesn't look like he'll be headed to Tennessee. They were involved for a little while with uh, Middle Tennessee safety. Jacoby Thomas, who's originally from Tullahoma, Tennessee, uh, was, was set to visit Tennessee this weekend at one point, and then the visit kind of just fizzles, and he, he commits to, to yeah, Oregon State a weird on, on one. Thursday. That was a weird one. So, that was a weird yeah, one. It, it, that it, was weird, that, Ryan. Weird vibes on that one. That that happens sometimes, and and, the, and I'll say what, you know, I've kind of mentioned this on the on the message board. What you can't really judge how good a player is by where he ends up in the transfer portal, and one of the reasons for that is some schools recruit guys as possible backups. You know, like mm-hmm. Tennessee might go after a guy from a, an FCS school and say, okay, you're a veteran, you've played, but we we think you could be like a depth guy, a rotational guy. And you think he's going to Tennessee, so hey, he's probably a really good player, but if he's just a backup in their eyes, is he really that good? And also on the flip side of that, you could also go to a, a lower-level school and be really good, and the lower-level school just burned a lot of its NIL budget to get the player, because that happens too. So uh, it's really hard to gauge how good a player is just based on where he ends up. In this case, I think Oregon State's getting a good one uh, in Jacoby Thomas. They just prioritized him, I think, a little more than Tennessee did. I think Tennessee wasn't really sure that visit was going to happen going into the weekend. There was still some uncertainty there. So not surprised to see it go that way, but a little surprising just kind of how it happened, how quickly it came together and then sort of fell apart. But that's an example of how quickly things move in the portal. You know, again, just a few days ago, Bauer Sharp was visiting. Now he's not. Um, that Chris Brazel, his visit came together pretty quickly. The two-lane wide receiver, he was in town earlier this weekend. Still kind of waiting to see what other options uh, develop for Tennessee on the defensive line at wide receivers and positions like that. They will also host uh, a, a former Florida or an outgoing uh, Florida offensive lineman, I should say, in Jalen Farmer. He's a he's originally uh, or coming out of high school. He ended up choosing between Florida, Alabama, and Auburn. So you like the competition that he had 
coming out of high school, Alabama hosted him on an official visit right before National Signing Day and made a push, and he decided to stick with Florida. So good player with a good background, originally from the Atlanta area. On the flip side, kind of like Gerald Mincy, he's been a backup at Florida. So, um, And that's what you end up recruiting a lot of times in the portal on the offensive line, backups who you think maybe can develop into more for you. And the bottom line is, too, Tennessee needs some depth on the offensive line. They need some guys like him who can maybe come in potentially be backups this year and start after this current group of starters is gone. We mentioned they might bring that offensive line back mostly intact. There could be a starting guard position open up for grabs with Ali Lane leaving, and maybe that's where Jalen Farmer could fit in. But regardless, they do need some help there. They at least need some depth, a a healthier two deep on the offensive line, and Jalen Farmer one way or the other could definitely help with that. So um, that's, that's kind of what we know right now. A lot of names out there, a lot we're still kind of waiting to find out about who's going to visit who's not, which guys Tennessee has a great shot at, which ones they don't. And in some cases, who's leaving Tennessee and who's not. I do mm-hmm. feel pretty confident uh, confident in saying that everyone who's entered the transfer portal for Tennessee so far, probably not coming back. As of I, right now, 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 Ryan, really quickly before you go, I've heard that Tennessee, this was as of two days ago, which is a million light years away in this day and age. I heard Tennessee still some parts – of the Tennessee program, we're still holding out hope that something could happen with Tamari McDonald and they could work that, something out there. That's the one that's maybe not completely out of the question. Um, he, he does, I think have some desire to get back closer to Memphis. I, I mentioned there's some family considerations there. He's visiting Ole Miss. Uh, it sounds mm-hmm. like on Thursday. So that's a possibility for him. I, I think Lane Kiffin was in Knoxville on, mm-hmm. uh, on Wednesday to meet with McDonald. Uh, he also was in Knoxville earlier this week to see Tyler Barron. It uh, sounds like Tyler Barron will probably end up at somewhere like Alabama or Texas. You know, there's a few other schools in the picture there, Ole Miss, Georgia. So we'll, we'll see where that one goes. But most of those guys, with the exception, like you said, maybe to Mary McDonald, there's still a chance he could return. But otherwise, I think all those guys in the portal are pretty much gone. So uh, we pretty much have a, a, at least an idea of how much Tennessee needs in the portal. Now it's a matter of going out, seeing who they can get to visit and starting to address some of those needs, obviously, over the next few weeks. We will see. Ryan, I know you got to go, and uh, we're overdue for a break anyway, so go ahead and you get yourself out of here, and then uh, we will dismiss you, and then we'll come back and have more fun without you in the second segment talking about uh, some some hoop stuff and some uh, some also some, some maybe some football stuff we left out of the first segment. But for now, get on out of here. Sounds good. Appreciate it, guys. All right, we'll be right back here on the Go Balls 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Now it's just Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio and Ben McKee coming to you from his home studio there in a different section of town. We are talking Tennessee football and basketball in this episode. Maybe a little more hoops here in this second segment with the 12th-ranked Vols headed back on the road. Ben's going to be on an aeroplane in the, uh, up in the sky headed over to uh, Tejas, uh, to San Antonio, where he is. Uh, not going to pee on the Alamo, and he is going to not go to jail, and he will watch Tennessee play uh, in an interesting game, certainly, playing playing in the San Antonio Spurs, nice arena, but against NC State at 10 Eastern on a Saturday. Be fascinated to see what that crowd looks like at that point. We shall see. Might be like uh, about 700 or so Tennessee fans and 300 NC State fans and then just a few other people. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated to, to see, or they maybe they give some tickets to a base nearby. I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, we will see. 
But uh, that's a big game for Tennessee, big game for DJ Burns, obviously. we got a lot to discuss about that and uh, and what we saw from the game against Georgia Southern the other day, plus uh, some potentially some football thoughts that were left out of the first segment as well. We'll see where it goes. But before we do that, just a quick request from our end. Please go in there and rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening on the website at GoVols247.com, nothing wrong with that, no wrong way to consume this podcast. However, it does help us out a good bit more if you go in there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod you can find this go balls 24 7 podcast we do this for free and we're happy to do it no complaints whatsoever even on a cold day but since we're doing it for free i don't think it's too much to ask to rate review subscribe and tell your friends tell everybody that you know that is the by far i mean not i'm not gonna say it helps us more than anything else because rating reviewing and subscribing probably helps us out more than anything else but Firm number two on that list. Keep telling people about this podcast. People come to this thing every day, every week because of other people telling them. So please go do that. And tell us how you've heard about it, too. We enjoy hearing that stuff. So give us a shout on that. So uh, if you're already doing all that stuff, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, before we get over to uh, basketball, was there anything left about the portal that you wanted to say because we had to kind of cut it off there and let Ryan go away because the world revolves around him and his schedule this time of year? So uh, what what did what did anything you wanted to add that you did not get a chance to? N- nothing particular. Uh, I, I thought we had a nice conversation about the 2024 schedule and how given the fact that it is – an SEC football schedule. It is. It sets up well for Tennessee in, in year four, and uh, we'll, we'll see what the roster looks like. And uh, no, no real thoughts on on the portal. I think some fans are are waiting to to catch that big fish in the portal or get a fish. Uh, just get started. Yes, and and I understand that. Uh, I, I Swain and I had a great conversation on Thursday morning Swain event about not getting too caught up on the name or the school that they're coming from what actually is uh a splash addition uh because a lot of these kids in the portal you, you don't really know who they are i mean how many people knew mccollin castles or Keenan peely or dalton connect or maui ahuna uh cannon peebles you know guys like that 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 are big time players but because of of where they're coming from, you don't really know who they are. Like the Tulane receiver, Tennessee was able to add him. That'd be a significant pickup. The yeah. the Notre Dame tight end, I understand that it's Notre Dame, but how many people actually know who Holden Stays is? And, and the, the tight end who caught four touchdowns, how many people actually know who that is outside of Notre Dame fans? So uh, everybody obviously knows who Juice Wells is and, and some other SEC players because Tennessee played against them. They're in the SEC. You hear about them more frequently. Uh, and, and obviously that would be a huge pickup. But even a guy like Juice Wells, I mean, he, he could have played in November, chose not to coming off an injury. And there, there's a lot of speculation about this being an NIL grab for him. So, Which for me yes, is fine if you show up and play. Hey, man, if you're like one of those guys who's like, hey, you, I'll give you every ounce of energy I got, but pay me first, I got no problem with that. If, as long as so, it's an honest transaction, that's good. I don't either. But my point is there's some potential red flags there. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's the big sexy name. But just because you land the big sexy name doesn't mean that that's a good culture fit or it'll work perfectly. So just – I'm not necessarily saying 
temper expectations in the sense of hoping Tennessee upgrades through the transfer portal. I'm just saying don't write somebody off because of the school they're coming from or because you haven't heard of that player before. And Tennessee, I mean, the tight end position is a perfect example. Tennessee doesn't think that Justin Jolly is that good. That's why he didn't end up coming on Which that makes me sad. last weekend. I think he's good. Yeah, but we also, at least I'll speak for myself, I watched him play one football game last year, mm-hmm. and it was in November, against the Tennessee secondary that everybody wants to see look differently next season, and a t- Tennessee secondary that will look totally different next year. So, like, yeah, I think he's I think he's a solid tight end, but I think we also have to have a little bit of perspective. We saw eight catches for 89 yards against the bad Tennessee secondary that is changing this offseason, and... My, I, my concern I'm would not, be size. My concern would be size because Tennessee needs yeah, I mean, that its tight ends to be blockers that, first. Yes, that that's part of it. That that's that's probably why Tennessee didn't. That's probably why Tennessee wanted a Jordan Dingle from Kentucky or the Holden Stays from Notre Dame or or somebody else mm-hmm. is because of that reason alone. So like Tennessee knows Justin Jolly because Tennessee played Justin Jolly and he had a, a couple of nice plays, but just because that is the case and Tennessee decides maybe not to bring him in, that doesn't mean who they get instead was a bad decision. So I would just beware of of reactions, I guess, is, is what I'm getting to, mm-hmm. uh, because you, you, you can still really upgrade your roster w- without landing the names that you only know. Yeah, you can. I think that's a fair way to put it. I, I think... People just want something to get started because they're seeing some other people go places. And, you know, my, my two cents would be I understand the frustration, the consternation, all that. But but let's just wait and see. Let's just wait and see kind of where things go there. You truly can't judge an offseason until like late June, July nowadays because of the portal window. After spring practice, guys are coming and going, and some guys aren't making decision until they get into the summer, right before they, right before school starts. So, I, I know it's not a fun process in that regard. Um, but <laughs> like you, you just the, the, because today's day and age of college football is so ever changing, and guys are are coming and going really all throughout the the, the calendar year. You can't fully assess an off season, which isn't great for our jobs, <laughs> with a microphone in our hand. Yeah, um, it, it, I know it, fans it's, want. It's not fun to sit here and say that. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it, I mean, it's the truth, and and fans want instantaneous things, and I get that. Uh, but just with how the college football calendar sets up, and and how everything is today with NIL and transfer portal, guys are coming and going all throughout the year, and uh, you you really don't have a firm grasp of what a school is going to look like or what an opponent's going to look like until really June and July nowadays. I agree, and we'll see where Tennessee gets with the schedule. We'll see where Tennessee gets with the portal, and then we'll put those two things together, and then we'll start having a better idea for what's going to happen during the season. Of course, then there's a million moving pieces with injuries and and trends and and all these other things. However, I I think we are all in agreement there that it's just kind of when you've got two moving targets, you really can't paint a picture. If you've got one moving target and the other's target is still, you can at least kind of paint a picture. But when you're looking at a canvas and there are two moving targets on it, one being 
you know, the, the, the who's leaving and who's going out and, and the other being like, okay, who's coming in? Like, you can't paint the picture of what a roster is going to look like because they're, you just don't know. The coaches don't know right now. That makes it difficult. But there's also all kinds of other stuff out there to discuss, Ben. There, I think we've, we've got football in a pretty good place there. I think we probably should move on to basketball before we take up too much time if everyone's on this Thursday. I do think that we've already discussed a little bit this. We've written about this, Ben. We we had a, a full court press after the game. We talked about it. You know, I've written columns. You've, you know, had things to say on the board and with Swain on, on the show and in other places that you've been. There, there's all kinds of stuff to discuss about this. I think I am not that concerned with Tennessee's second half against Georgia Southern. I think... For me, yes, it's not the first time that Barnes has had to discuss some of the frustrations that he's had with the lack of consistency from his veterans. I understand that. I'm not condoning it. I just think Tennessee was up by 28 points in a game that for the first time in a month it was playing a team that wasn't very good. It was in the middle of Tennessee's final semester exam week. I I just – I'm not putting too much on that half. And feel free – absolutely to disagree with me because i know rick barnes does but yeah i i just you know i'm not willing to put too much on that i think it was kind of an annoyance more than an actual problem yeah i think that's the perfect way to say it um i i I don't think there's too much thought that should go into it but the the reason there is a a pause in in my voice and a and a hesitation is because that just shouldn't happen mm-hmm. for for a veteran group. Uh, I I just that that should never happen to to where you're disinterested in playing basketball. It does happen, and it would be one thing if it was the first time this season, but it's not the first time this season that it's happened, and and that to me is why it's a little more concerning than it typically would be. Again, we we don't need to have a a drawn out conversation about it or plant a red flag or anything along those lines. Uh, this is the only second time that it's happened. The The first time was the first half at North Carolina in, in which they did not seem interested in playing, did not show up ready to play. Uh, and then they did not show up ready to play in the second half. And I, I, I do think, you know, looking at it from, from an optimistic viewpoint, it, that is a difficult thing to do when you know a team is about to be 0-10, your 30-point favorites, it's a home game, not a lot of energy in the arena because fans also knew it was an 0-10 Georgia Southern basketball team. You're up by, what, 25, 30 points at, at halftime. That is a difficult thing to do, and these are 18 to 24-year-olds with, with this group. Uh, this, this These are college kids who uh, – it's it's very rare that you find a person at that age who is very consistent in their day-to-day life in everything that they do. So uh, I, I think there is a little bit of concern because this is now the second time within two, two and a half weeks that, that it took place. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think it's a, a humongous deal whatsoever because of those scenarios about Georgia Southern that I mentioned. Uh, it, it's just... If if it becomes a routine, if it becomes a pattern, then okay, then it then it becomes discouraging and very very concerning. But right now, even though it's a little weird that this has now happened twice within two weeks for a veteran basketball team 
that has played a lot of basketball. That, that to me is a little weird that the head coach is having to say some of the things that he had to say post game on Tuesday night after the win over Georgia Southern. At the end of at the end of the day, I don't think it's a huge deal, unless of course it become starts to become a pattern. And uh, for their sake, I hope it does not because they they could really waste uh, quite the roster and, and quite the opportunity to to do something in March that that literally nobody else in program history has done. Yeah, my final thought on it before we move on to talk about other things and, and positive things and NC State and all the other, and I, I, you know, I mentioned a lot of it in the column. God knows I wrote it long enough. It was, what, 1,500 words, I, probably too long uh, after the, the column I wrote after that game just because I had so many different thoughts about it. But one thing that in all those words I did not mention was the fact that, you know, Barnes talked about this. Going into the game, they talked to the guys about the plan being to play more of the young guys. And they changed that rotation in the first half, which I did mention. You know, Phillips came in early, got a lot of minutes. Uh, they they changed, you know, Freddie came in in the first half, Carr came in in the first half. They changed some things around. But those guys knew the plan was to play more of those young guys, and they knew they already had a 28-point lead against a team they were favored to beat by 33 points or whatever. And I wonder if they just thought they were only going to play for a few minutes to open the second half, and then he was going to let the freshman play down the stretch. And I wonder if that played into it a little bit. I'm not Again, none of that is to excuse what happened. I just – I think there is a tendency because it's like what hap- what's happened with Tennessee program, and we can view this through the lens of, of some Tennessee fans who – what they see and what they have seen is like not any one thing over the course of like the past seven or eight years or whatever it is. It's like a billion little paper cuts. And it just seems like it's opened up this, this wound now that anything that happens seems like the worst thing that's ever happened. And every, every time that this team has like a three or four minute cold stretch or has a game where it doesn't play the way it wants to play or whatever you want to call it, everything goes back to an indictment on everything everywhere all the time. And I don't want to go down that route. We've talked about that, but I think if we don't go ahead and mention that we're not going down that route, people will wonder why we're not doing it. And that's, I think it's a conscious effort to not do it because I think if it gets to that point, you know, in March or April, we'll talk about that then we obviously will, but I, I don't, I don't see the need to every single time something doesn't go exactly the way you want it to go, that everything is wrong. I I just don't see that. that that's not something yeah, that I, enters I, my mind. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, and, and it's, a, it's a really simpleton way to look at things if, if you do have that mindset. Um, I'm sorry if you don't like me saying that, but I, I just – how do you enjoy watching sports? If, if your mind immediately goes to that. Yes, Rick Barnes has a questionable NCAA tournament track record. Yes, at Tennessee, he has a questionable NCAA tournament track record. There's no dodging that, but my I, I just don't get it. My mind just does not operate that way. I mean, literally, every team that you root for is going to have flaws. Every single team. Next season, Tennessee football is going to have flaws. This spring, Tennessee baseball is going to have flaws. Next fall, Alabama football. For Alabama football fans, they're going to have flaws. The Kansas City Chiefs, they have flaws. 
The Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James, they have flaws. Wes, your Arsenal team is really, really good. I bet they have a flaw or two that that kind of annoys you at times. Every team in the history of sports has a flaw, even the teams that go undefeated. So I just don't understand how you can watch a game early in the season and you see that flaw pop up here and there and just lose your mind and and lose interest in, in wanting to watch that team the rest of the year because you're afraid of what may happen in the postseason. It, it, my mind just doesn't work that way. And and so I try to avoid that conversation as much as possible. Uh, this Tennessee basketball team, it, it it's it's going to have something that, that's a bugaboo and, and doesn't sit right going into March. I mean, it, it's not a perfect basketball team because perfect teams don't exist in terms of, of the roster makeup, even if the record for some teams over history may have been perfect. That, that doesn't mean that their play – was perfect all throughout the season. So you're going to have hiccups along the way. That's part of sports. That's part of building a team. That's part of building towards a championship. You have hiccups that you have to try and work around, build upon, and overcome to to hopefully win that championship that you are aspiring to to win. So I just think it's a real simpleton-like approach to to just begin to freak out and get over-emotionally, overly emotional about March just because there's a little hiccup in the road here and there. That's part of sports. Every team in the history has had a hiccup here or there. Yeah, I think for for me, and again, at the end of the day, the people we can all speak for are ourselves, right? That's the only people we can really know close to 100% is ourselves. And and I think if I had not seen the Chicago Cubs win the World Series in 2016 – I think I might have a slightly different view on this or a drastically different view on this, to be honest. But I saw in 2016 something that I was convinced in my entire life I would never see, which is the Cubs finally breaking through and winning a World Series. So that things like that happen in life, and I imagine you out there, whatever your team is, you know, if it's just the Vols, then you, you've you had it with probably 98 with the national title in football. You, you've had Tennessee winning an SEC tournament in basketball, which a lot of us thought would never, ever happen. But when you see something happen that you never thought was possible, it changes your perception on what actually is possible. And so with that in mind, what I look at is this is, I would say, the third time maybe in Barnes' career, second time, potentially third time in Barnes' career at Tennessee that he has had a team that was good enough relative to the field to win a national championship. This is the third time, maybe the second time. I would say that last year there with Grant Williams, that was the the team that lost to Purdue, that was absolutely a team relative to the field that could have won a national championship. I would have said maybe a couple years ago, the borderline team for me, the fringe team, is the team that had the 2C with Kennedy Chandler at point guard, how well that team was playing at the time relative to what was out there in college basketball. That team had at least a puncher's chance of, of getting to the Final Four. That team was very good at the right time of the season. It, it just went cold against Michigan, and we all remember what happened. Michigan should not have been seated where it was, but it had a miserable regular season, and then it got hot late in the year and was a really, really good 11 seed, and we, we know what happened. Um, or I think it was 11 seed, but we all know what happened. And, and so this team right now is at least the second maybe the third time in Barnes' career at Tennessee that he's had a team that I think could win a national championship. So you can either sit here and say regular season Rick and none of this matters, or you can wait and watch how it unfolds. Because, 
Again, this team has not played a single SEC game yet. We have no idea how well or poorly that might go. People keep saying that Tennessee or Kentucky are the best teams in the league, and I would probably agree with that. Uh, Kentucky's also been a little erratic, uh, you know, looked like it was a national champion against Miami, and then UNC Wilmington, you're like, what the hell's going on here? So Miami has not looked good since that game. Correct. So, so you know, there's other good teams out there in the league that could get hot at the right time and give people lots of problems. I think there's some interesting teams in the league, some really, really good coaches in this league that have been tremendous upgrades from where this thing was seven, eight years ago maybe in the league. I just think relative to the field, this is a Tennessee team that could do special things. Ziegler's just going to do nothing but get better coming back from that knee, knock on wood. You know, I think Vescovy, the body of work is what it is over time, and he's going to get there where he needs to be. You know, I things like that happened the other night. Every time I sit there and think Josiah Jordan James has just really turned the corner, I go, what are you doing? But I still think that there's been a lot more good than bad with him this season. I think Adu is playing at a really high level, even if he's not going to score 29 every night. He's good, and I think Awaka is going to keep getting better and better. Connect is still going to have his 30-plus point games occasionally and just go, just go ham. I, I think there are, there are so many reasons to think this team could do something special, and then there's one reason which – is maybe more powerful than all of it that says it won't, which is history. But you got a lot of other things in this other pile. You got a lot of reasons to watch. And I, I just, I just don't Ben, if I hadn't seen the Cubs win a world series, I would totally understand this, but I saw the Cubs win a world series. So I know this thing can happen. I know it could happen at some point. And I don't know why you wouldn't watch this team because on paper, it's pretty, pretty damn good. Yep. My, my, the way I am as a sports fan, I, I'm I'm not gonna not watch my beloved Yankees this upcoming season because they haven't been back to the World Series since 2009, and and also over over that time they've they've made it to the ALCS numerous occasions and have been in the playoff every year but twice since 2009. I'm not gonna act like everything's just been a complete failure. That this boomer bust mentality has has really spoiled a lot of things, and I'm not gonna let that spoil me from just simply watching baseball because I love the simple aspect of baseball and I love the New York Yankees. I'm not I'm not gonna let the their lack of success in the postseason in recent decade and a half or so ruin my just generic love for for that thing. And I, I just think it's a lot of low hanging fruit and uh I, I'm not gonna continue to pick it off the tree if if folks want to sit there and and have that conversation, podcast in and and podcast out, there, there's there's micro other microphones out there that that I'm sure will feed in to that constant narrative. I would rather spend that time talking about the matchups of of each individual basketball game. I would rather talk about Dalton Connect and, and his amazing ability to put the ball in the basket and uh, the the fun hustle plays of Jemai Meshack and Santiago Vescovi and Zakai Ziegler. Uh, Josiah Jordan James really playing an excellent role as a wingman. Uh, Jonas Adu, his evolution. Tobey Awaka, just how freakish he is uh, physically and, and his ability to grab rebounds. Uh, this freshman class that looks very, very promising. I'd rather talk about those things and also talk about the greatness of of what SEC basketball has become and the, and the greatness of college basketball and, and highlight how great the sport is rather than just have a repetitive low-hanging simpleton-like conversation podcast in and podcast out so we're not going to do that here 
I'm sure others will do that, and you can go listen to those people, quite frankly. Uh, but I'd rather talk about the ins and outs. And like this weekend, for example, Tennessee, NC State, 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2, not an ideal time slot, but how could you not kind of look forward to uh, DJ Burns, a former Vol, who uh, has a little bit of Zion Williamson in him in, in terms of enjoying his meals three times a day, if, if not yeah, more. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. I don't know of a of a nice way to say it, but like you know how there's like short kings and there's like you he's know a thick king. He's either a thick king or bo- thick king, questionably fat king like he's he's a chunk he's a chunk still five years in college basketball he's still a chunk but he can play man yeah he's he's still despite that uh, not necessarily taking the best care of his body he's still developed into one of the best big men in in college basketball one of the most efficient he's really talented i'm sorry i'd I'd rather talk about that matchup and preview nc state and tennessee than continue to have this low-hanging fruit conversation yeah, i agree no i agree i just i think it's important to along the way mention why we're not doing it because i think people might be like you're missing if everybody's talking about this why are you not talking about it i think it's important to say why we're not talking about it because it, it's it's just it's it's tiring at this point but yeah i think the burns thing is interesting i i don't think tennessee is the kind of game that that favors him to be just kind of clear about it. I think the physicality, the pace with which Tennessee plays, the way that they get into you, uh, get up and down the floor. I don't think he's gonna want that smoke for forty minutes. Um, I, you know, I, I think that he now he'll be motivated. There's no question about that. So maybe that carries him. But if this were like an if this were not a place where he used to play basketball. This matchup, I don't think, would be one that maybe looks great for him. But then again, maybe he gets he sticks his chest into Adu and causes him some problems, and they have to go more with Tobey Awaka. You know, I I don't I don't really know how that will go, but I'm fascinated to watch it. Now, State in, in general, State has not really played a great schedule. It has not beaten uh, you know a, a good team yet. I don't know if NC State's beaten a top 100 team yet. I'd have to go back and look at it. I don't know that it has. Um, I think on Ken Palm, the, there's there's still, uh, you know, they played Ole Miss and got the doors beaten off of it by 20 points. Um, and then a lot of the wins have not been over very good teams. So I, I, I don't know on paper. I mean, I know Ken Palm's got this as a what? He had this as they, a 10 point. They've got – NC State has one win over a top 100 Ken Palm team, 84-78 over Boston College in overtime. Uh, other than that, they have – two wins inside the top 200 of Kim Palm. Mm-hmm. And one of those, in addition to Boston College, is Abilene Christian, who is 198. Their other wins are Citadel, who is 256, Charleston Southern, who is 352, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. who is 206, uh, Maryland Eastern Shore. Who is that? Who is Maryland Eastern Shore? I think Shore? they've been in the tournament a couple times. I think they've been in the tournament a couple times, but I don't. News to me. Uh, they they are three forty nine. I think that's lower than Georgia Southern, and then they just beat uh, Tennessee Martin on Tuesday, and Tennessee Martin is two hundred and fifty eighth. The only other two teams that their two losses are to the two best teams that they've played, uh, BYU. They lost ninety five eighty six, and then like you said, they they lost to a top one hundred Ole Miss Kempom team by twenty on the road. So Kempom has this as a ten point 
a win for Tennessee, and that sounds about right for me, 79-69. They've got some guards that, that can score that they mm-hmm. brought in yep. uh, through the transfer portal, Jaden Taylor and uh, DJ Horn. Uh, but DJ Burns is by far their best player, and uh, just his lack of conditioning, I would assume, does not bode well to bang with Tobey Awaka and Jonas Adu and maybe some of those energizer bunnies like Cade Phillips. Uh, off the bench, I think Josiah Jordan James could be a nice matchup mm-hmm. in this game for Tennessee as well. So, as long as Tennessee doesn't allow DJ Burns to to just completely go off, Tennessee is without a doubt a better team from top to bottom and uh, should handle business. I, I hate to kind of say easily, but I mean I, I feel pretty confident in Tennessee going into this matchup. Yeah, I, you know it's interesting because I've always loved Burns as a player if he would get in better shape because I think he's really, really, really talented so i mean that that's to me of course the last thing i'll say is that i think it reminds me a little bit on paper i mean last year's colorado team was better than nc state i think this season but it's kind of a an interesting neutral floor matchup game although that game was in tennessee this game's in san antonio it's not exactly the same ben but i think if maybe the fact that tennessee had that second half against georgia southern might bode well for going into this matchup so you don't do what you did last year against Colorado so you go out there and take the thing seriously I know it's a 10 p.m. Eastern tip 9 p.m. Central where they'll be a little bit late some of the guys don't love that some of the guys would rather play earlier in the day I mean I get all those things but this is a game Tennessee should should be okay in but again the top the conversation there is not just about you know, can Tennessee win this game? It's what can Tennessee do to be the best version of itself, which I think is a fair question to ask. You want to be the best version of yourself. It's not just can we beat this team because the answer to that's almost always going to be yes. Tennessee can beat whoever it plays within reason. So I, I think it's about what can you do to be the best version you can be, and this team's got to figure out some roles, rotations, all those other things, you know, kind of get some of those moving pieces settled down. But – uh, so it's not just about winning this game. That is the primary objective. But the overarching theme, I think, is what do you what do you need to do to be the best version of yourself? And if Tennessee does that, then I think the rest can take care of itself. And I think, you know, now we'll see. Finals are done for now, so they can just go out there and play um, basketball for the next whatever month or so. And so go out there and get better, right? Go out there and see. Go out there and put this stuff behind you and and move on. But Ben, I know you got places to be. I know you got to get some stuff done and get on the road. Ha- happy flight, happy travels uh, to San Antonio. Uh, enjoy the Riverwalk. Enjoy the Alamo. Again, don't pee on it. And um, I think if that's I think that's about where we are. You got anything else to say, bud? I I am good. Already got a notification when I woke up this morning that. My layover in Charlotte had been delayed by 30 minutes. That's so the Charlotte that, Airport. The Charlotte Airport uh, for you. Off, off to a nice start in, in terms of traveling. So yeah. uh, it, it'll be fun. And look, NC State isn't Georgia Southern. It's it's not Wofford. It's it's not Tennessee Tech. But it's also not North Carolina, Purdue, Kansas, <laughs> North Carolina. Not any of those schools. So uh, ultimately, to me, this is a game that boils down to how Tennessee shows up. If uh, if if Tennessee shows up like it did against Illinois, and uh, you you made a great point about the the weird neutral site aspect of this, if if Tennessee shows up and, and brings its own energy and and is ready to play, which I, I do think it's fair to say isn't a given at mm-hmm. this point, although Agreed. it should be a given 
with that first half of basketball at North Carolina and the second half of basketball against Georgia Southern. And it's not even the fact that they played like bad basketball in those two halves because that happens over the course of a season. That That's going to happen. They're going to have bad halves of just simple basketball, making shots, defense like that. That's part of it. But it's kind of the questionable effort that makes the first half at North Carolina, second half against Georgia Southern, very concerning. And that's why it's fair to wonder, okay, how does Tennessee show up ready to play on Saturday night? I would assume they show up ready to play, but it's not just 100% given like it should be. But if they do, I mean, this if they show up ready to play and clicking on all cylinders like we've seen them at different points this season, this is a game like Ken Palm projects that they will win by double digits. Yeah, I think uh, the one thing you can say is that they've not really had those games where they didn't kind of show up to play. They've never really stacked those games. Those games have kind of been randomly thrown in the middle of nowhere, and then and then it's been corrected. So it's not been something that they've been stringing together. They just they happen sometimes and more than you want to, but they haven't usually happened in consecutive games. So I would imagine that bodes well for right now. Plus, uh, we can all remember being that age and being done with finals and how good that felt and how you kind of get a burden lifted off of you. We see that with baseball right late in the year, uh, every year before they you know get to the postseason or toward that time of year where they're done with finals and they can relax and just go play ball and they can do all that. Vitello talks about that every year, how big that is. So again, go enjoy this month, right? It's the holidays. Go. Uh, it's about hoops and family for them. So go, go take care of those things and ben you go take care of uh your family and get on that flight and uh we will uh we'll talk to you after the game thank you wesley there's that button and now i can say thank you for listening to this edition of the go vols 24 7 podcast we always say that but we always mean it thank you thank you thank you for listening you can find all of us on social media i'm west rucker 24 7 on twitter ben mckee is ben mckee 14 on twitter ryan callahan is ryan callahan 24 7 on twitter and patrick brown is p brown 24 7 on twitter and if you just want tennessee news on twitter nothing else you can get that at twitter.com slash go 24 7 you can also go to facebook.com slash go 24 7 where we update that throughout the day all day every day mostly with tennessee news uh, but also with news that we think falls fans will find interesting uh, but if you want that best most delicious east tennessee smoky mountain spring water directly from the source go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. 
And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.